Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to uh, this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, I'm Chris, and with me I've got uh, the, the ever-reliable Mark. Hello. Uh, and this week there's no Emma. Emma has gone to uh, the topless darts, and following that she's gone to watch Real Madrid. Um, minus Cristiano Ronaldo, because uh, he's suspended still, I think, but she's gone to watch them play. So in place we've got, um, I'm rather very happy to say, because I've been trying to get her for a couple of weeks, I've got uh, Laura from the Football's Fallen blog. Uh, Laura is twice nominated for the FBA Awards in 2012 and 2013, so she very much knows her onion. So welcome on board, Laura. Hi, you're right. All right. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about the Premier League, uh, something called the Championship, which is where Laura can help out. Um, a little bit about England and John Terry and Ashley Cole and what our defence could be, because Roy Hodgson has come out this week and said that there's no way back for John Terry. Uh, and then other news, and then this weekend's FA Cup predictions. So, we'll start with the Premier League, um, first of all. So we'll start with Tuesday's games. Did anybody see Cardiff Aston Villa, which was, um, uh, was the one on BT Sport, wasn't it? Did anybody see that one? Uh, no, I was fortunate, I think, to miss that one. <laughs> How about you, Laura? Uh, no, I saw the, the highlights last night. Um it didn't look sparkling, did it? It didn't, I'm afraid. I, I think the best bit happened at the end. I, I think that was um, save of the season, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely stunning, that save. He did himself some damage in the uh, <laughs> when, when he fell backwards, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Uh, but I mean, if anyone that's not seen it, this is the last minute. It's nil-nil. Um, and was it Benteke? I can't remember. It was an Aston Villa striker, uh, headed the ball back across goal. David Marshall is moving to his right. The ball is coming to his left, and he contorts himself uh, in midair. Um, the ball's about four or five feet in the air and he contorts himself to lean back from the way he was coming from to, to save it. And in the end process, he injured himself. Uh, he was fine, but sadly that was in the 90th minute and that was probably the best moment in the entire match. What did you think, Laura, watching the highlights about this? Because both teams, they're pretty much in the relegation dogfight, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're pretty much... much of a, uh, they're, they're sort of a similar kind of situation at the moment I think um, Cardiff are kind of relying on Marshall's saves at the moment and uh, they they do need their strikers a little bit more I mean they've got Kenwin Jones and uh, Zaha now um, but from the highlights they, they don't seem to be making any kind of real impact well Zaha was subbed wasn't he um and yeah he came on a sub Fraser Campbell didn't seem to add all that much as well <laughs> no uh, he, he no. kind of blows hot and cold and of course Bellamy's now charged and banned is he he's definitely charged I think he's suspended isn't he yeah, yeah. so um but um, I was talking to a couple of Cardiff fans on Twitter and they didn't seem that fussed about the fact that Bellamy was going to be 
suspended anyway because he doesn't seem to be making uh, quite as much of an impact this season as he has in previous seasons. No, I think age could be catching up with him, sadly. But I do like him. He's a, I mean, it comes to us all, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. Uh, I do like him. I mean, I know he's... Um, He's very much a Marmite player, isn't he? But I do, I mean, maybe because it's played for Liverpool, but I do like his attitude and I do like the way he plays. He loves his club. Yeah. I mean, he was complaining the other week, wasn't he, when the uh, when the Cardiff fans were booing because he's saying he knows that that's not what Cardiff fans are about and, uh, and that they should be a bit more supportive. But I think they've kind of been through the, the ringer, the Cardiff fans. If anybody's... Uh, got a right to boo at the moment I think it's probably them yeah they have the last few weeks haven't they um, do you think Solskjaer is the man to turn them around I don't know I I think it's going to take somebody with a strong will and a, constitu- a strong constitution to sort of stomach their chairman um, I don't know I, th- I think they're in trouble at the moment I think that they need some a few goals is he in a no-lose situation do you think I mean everyone loves Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he was the one Man United player I think people did take to because he was sort of, uh, he seemed sort of a charming kind of guy and he was quite happy to be the sub and come on and score the goals. He's gone to Cardiff where everyone's quite, uh, can see plain as day that their owner is a bit bonkers. If he does get them relegated, um, or not does get them relegated, if they do get relegated, is he going to be okay? Do you think that his reputation would still be um, as high as it seems to be now or before he came to Cardiff? it will still do some damage to his reputation it's uh, if he, it's like with any manager if they do badly or if they're tactically inept or they don't buy the right players I think it's still going to affect his reputation come what may even though he's working for 10 yeah I mean they they would say that he's probably done it under difficult circumstances but there's been crazy chairman before and uh, other managers have survived and gone on and done uh, and got uh, better jobs. I just, I, I'm not quite sure why Solskjaer chose to do this job. No, because he'd been offered jobs in this country before, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, well, they're nineteenth now. They're on twenty-two points, but they're still well in touch with um, with the rest of the pack above them. But they do seem to be in free fall a little bit, don't they? Yeah, he's got he's got some sort of get out of jail free card for them to be able to blame uh, Malky Mackay for some dodgy uh, transfers or whatever yeah. in the first part of the season or from last summer, and uh, you know they might say that the relegation if they do get relegated was sealed in the first half of the season, so he's got a little bit of a a break in that to, in that respect, but you know he, he he'll be under pressure more if they do go down. And he has to, and he stays, and he has to try and get get them back up again next year, um, and that's when he's more likely to suffer a dent in his reputation. Because as you said, he's been offered other jobs. I think he, you know, was touted for the Villa Villa job, for example, um, and obviously he was a good player at Man U, and he's done well in Norway when he started his managerial career off. So um, I think he's probably got a bit of a buy if they do go down this year, but. Yeah. But who knows with that chairman, you know, the chairman could totally give him the blame and give him the bullet in the summer. Yeah. Um, moving on, next game uh, was Hull nil, Southampton 1. Southampton now 8th, three points behind United and only six behind Everton in 6th. I mean, is a European push 
too much to ask for Southampton? It's within their limits to do it. Um, I think they're a strong side. It depends. It depends what you mean by European. Do you mean uh, UEFA Cup? Uefa. Yeah. Yeah. Europa, yeah, Europa, Europa League. League. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Showing my age there. Um, <laughs> isn't that isn't that only fifth place now though? Oh, is it? It's not sixth then. Sorry. No, I don't think so. And if you consider, you know, Man United probably being well, they're probably too far back to finish fourth now. They're going yeah. to be fighting for fifth. You've got Everton, who are probably going to just about hang in for that. And then if, if you think Liverpool and Spurs are the two who are the, the battling for fourth place, um, Southampton aren't going to catch them either. I, I, don't, I can't see it, but you never know. You never know. It'd be good. I mean, from where they've come from, from League One, and they've still got a lot of those players from League One, haven't they, that, um, mm. that are still there. It would be good to see them maybe sort of pushed that bit higher. Um, West Ham 2, Norwich 0. That's, that's three wins on a spin, isn't it, for, for West Ham? They're up to 11th now. They've um, got all their players coming back from injury and suspension now, though, haven't they? So, um, have they got time to shine, really. So. Haven't they got, like, the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season? I, I heard that as well, yeah. Something like that. So it was obviously just that, you know, they were lacking some strikers and a couple of creative players who maybe were injured. And that are coming back, and you know they're still fairly tight at the back. Yeah. Um, and I think they've had a run of games playing against the likes of Norwich and Villa. I mean, I, I start of the season when they signed Carroll and Downing, those two signings on their own, I thought would mean they would finish maybe eighth or ninth. You know, okay, they're they're still in amongst that bottom half dogfight with about seven or eight other teams. But you know, again, you go back to the whole Sam Allardyce. He knows how to get teams out of trouble and what have you. So they should be fine, I think, by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, West Brom won, Chelsea won. Uh, I don't think many people saw this coming. Um, was that two points dropped for Chelsea? Or is that uh, a very well, I suppose it must be a very hard-fought point game for, for West Brom. They're now fourth bottom. Um, so their goal difference keeping them out of the relegation zone at the moment. Are West Brom going to be all right? I'm surprised they're down there, actually. I suppose I'm really only going off last season's performance. and They seemed a really strong, decent side. and they, I don't know, they just don't seem to be getting the results. I was really surprised that this old chain long as well to, um, to Hull. Yeah, I am as well. Maybe they, they thought by selling him they can get more out of... Um, Berahino, uh, and maybe they thought that Shane Long was at his optimum selling price. Mm. Soconomics. Yeah, maybe. But then <laughs> Long's gone to Hull, and he's he's scored a couple on, um, since he's joined. So. Yeah, maybe you don't sell into a team around you in the relegation. <laughs> yeah, Fine. that's no. not Soconomics. <laughs> that's not no. <laughs> um, Wednesday then. Uh, where do we start? So we start Wednesday. We had um, the poor Malaysian guy. Coming over for you to watch Everton Crystal Palace. Did you see him? Oh, bless him. I know. Uh, for anyone that's not known, he's, a, he's been an Everton fan for 30 years, which in itself is blessing. Um, Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> he came across to watch his first game and it was called off. So uh, he got to meet Roberto Martinez. He got to meet Leighton Baines. Um, he was given a tour of the ground today and I think he got to meet Graham Sharp, which bound to make anyone's um, trip over worthwhile, I thought. Did you get any of that, Mark, when you went yesterday? He, he did better than me. I was stuck on the bloody motorway um, for four hours trying to get from Sheffield to Liverpool. So even if the game had gone ahead, I would never have made it. 
Um, so, yeah. I'll have to make up some story about being my first ever game next time that something like that happens. <laughs> You're getting. You get to meet Leighton Baines. Um, Man City Sunderland's called off. I mean, that could... That, depending on how Man City work out in the Champions League, that could be a game in hand. Could be something um, that might benefit them. Would you rather have the points on the board or have a game in hand? Points. Points. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's too okay. much pressure on a game in hand. Yeah, there is. That's the one you have to win, isn't it? Uh, okay, so the big one, obviously, was Arsenal-Man United. Um, did anybody see this one? Yeah, I saw this one. What did you think to it? It was not quite as purgatory as the um, Fulham-Sheffield-United FA Cup replay, but it was pretty up there. It wasn't good, was it? No. no. There's just... Neither side appeared to have any pace whatsoever. Do you think their weekend results impacted upon the way they chose to play last night? They were caution or not losing was more important than winning yeah i think that man you definitely were quite happy with the draw uh and i think you're right about arsenal they just didn't want to be humiliated again so uh they were both extremely cautious Mm. are Uh, arsenal are arsenal just doing an arsenal (laughs) falling apart quite falling yeah as soon as valentine day valentine's day comes around they start uh you know start choking yeah well i said to somebody um on saturday that um arsenal are kind of always the bridesmaid uh never the bride and uh so somebody sent me a tweet back saying uh, well it's kind of like they're kind of like the uh, film bridesmaids and uh and and i said what because they're like publicly shitting themselves um which is what who's this have you never seen bridesmaids no, it's not like the film I might be thinking of, is it? Publicly defecating? No, they get food poisoning and end up shitting themselves in the street. And it's kind of a bit like that for Arsenal in that they they do sort of publicly humiliate themselves uh, as the season draws towards a close. And they never just quite mm. do it, I, do they? That's an analogy you'll never see Alan Shearer make. <laughs> <laughs> He obviously doesn't watch enough chick flicks. No, mm. no. Well, let's hope he doesn't watch any of those kind of films as well. <laughs> you were also mentioning. Um, I wasn't mentioning any <laughs> of the kind of films. <laughs> Arsenal second now. They are um, a point behind Chelsea. They are a point, no, two points, sorry, ahead of um, Man City. Of course, obviously Man City got that game in hand now and they are uh, three ahead of Liverpool. So, is Wenger got any reason to panic or worry or? They're still there though, aren't they? They are, aren't they? Yeah, They're not playing it. great the last few games, but they are second. Yeah, and they were on what 50, 56 points. Yeah, Chelsea are on fifty-seven. So, it's I think you have to assume that Man City would have won their game if they'd gone ahead and played it. Yeah, I think it's between for me the the uh, championship is just basically between Man City and Chelsea. Yeah. They're playing a bit of chicken at the moment, that's all. Yeah, I think they are. They're sort of facing up against each other, aren't mm-hmm. they? Somewhat. Um Arsenal's Arsenal's big problem is uh Giroud isn't worthy of being Arsenal's main striker. He's not that good. Yeah. And he's also out of form now. He looked he didn't look good. So, so so that's the main problem. Second problem they've got is Ozil hasn't yet filled uh, lived up to the billing 
over forty-two million pound player. He's a great player, but he's just not doing it. And the rest of them, while Ramsey's been injured, the likes of Wilshire, for example, are massively beginning to underperform now. Mm. So, and and that was their strength at the start of the season. Well, um, they're, they're making excuses. Sorry. Yeah, go no, on. sorry, go on, Laura. I was just saying they're making excuses up for Ozil now, saying, "Oh, he's it's because he's missing his winter break, or he's struggling with the." muscle of uh, the English game and they, he's, they've put him on some sort of weight training uh, regime now to mm. try and toughen him up a little bit. I think they are valid points and it will take him a while to sort of settle into the game but what I do think he's missing is the bit of speed and they're missing Walcott mm, badly. Definitely. Totally agree. I think, I mean, in Wilshire's defence he is very, very young still. I mean, he's been around for a few years but it's easy to forget how young he is, isn't it? Mm. Um, is he in danger of playing too much or or having too much responsibility on him at such a young age? He Should just, someone like Arteta step up? He drives me crazy, though. He gets dispossessed in midfield so often. It makes me want to go down on the field and slap him because yeah. it's like he turns his brain off. And Is what? It's like his brain. <laughs> Come on, Laura, have a think about it. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but it's like he goes completely vacant then. Uh, He's... He's always been a victim. He's been a bit of a victim of hype, isn't he? Media mm. hype in particular. Yeah, he's still only twenty-one or something. But f- start of the season for me, him and uh, Oxlade Chamberlain had have still got such a lot to do to live up to their reputations as being these saviors mm. of English football or whatever. Yeah. Especially Wilshire. Yeah. And he's really going to struggle at the World Cup if we're pinning all our hopes on him at the World Cup. Uh, and it, and if he gets dispossessed as much as he does or goes missing in games like he is doing at the moment, uh, he's going to get a right hammering in the press. Yeah. They missed Kim Kallstrom. That was their problem. <laughs> uh, OK, so that was um, <clears throat> that was Arsenal-Man United. Stoke-Swansea, I think that was just a bit meh, isn't it? Um, Newcastle-Tottenham. Did you see the highlights of this one, anybody? I saw match of the day, and I have to say... I thought Newcastle have been uh, unfairly panned here. I mean, when they were 2-0 down, I think, although it's a bit wrong to start playing at 2-0 down, I don't think they laid back. I think they um, they were still going for it. Did anybody see the highlights for this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. saw the highlights. And, yeah, you're right. It, I think it seemed that 4-0 was a bit harsh on Newcastle at a certain point. But, again, I think I saw that they've not scored. They've only scored in one out of the last seven or eight league games or something. Yeah, they're missing their... I think, I can't remember whether Rem, Remy was playing last night or not, but yeah. Cissé was certainly playing, wasn't he? And he doesn't look half the player he was. They're, no, they're, they're chronic, Newcastle. And they're a funny team. They go in spells where they, you know, they burst along to get around the pitch and, you know, things... But Hatton Ben Arthur will come off. You know, every time he hits it, it'll go into the top corner. And then you'll get games like last night or last season, for instance, when they played against Liverpool and got hammered at St. James's where you just think you can't believe that any of them are professional footballers, you know? Well, the theory is is that um, they don't obviously don't want to be sucked into this relegation battle below them, which I don't think they will. Uh, but Europe is taking a toll on them this season. And they've got, they're playing far too many games for the squad they have. So they don't want to do too much that they actually qualify for Europe. So they're going to sort of bumble along, finish where they are, and, um, uh, and not be sort of too worn out for next season. Well, in the grand scheme of things, they're not doing that badly. They're ninth. Yeah. They're nine points ahead of Swansea, who were in tenth. 
So it's not like they're in this relegation battle where half the table's there. They're they're just their expectations. Probably... They're probably where about where they want to be. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I th- yeah, they're, they're they're sort of regressed to the mean from their f- sort of form earlier on the season to where they should be. Mm. Um, lastly, uh, by complete coincidence, is Fulham Liverpool. Uh, it's I'm sure you'll join uh, me with uh, Mamadou Sakho's birthday today. Um, but it's uh, Fulham was scored two, Liverpool scored three. They were. It was one of those frustrating games, I think, for Liverpool where. It shows all their what they're about this season. They're about um, guile and cutting edge going forwards. They're also about enormous defensive errors. <laughs> oh, Colo! I know, I know. But to, <laughs> I think to to be fair, I think he started quite well this season for Liverpool, and I think he he performed quite admirably for the first few games and saved us in in some of them. So I think he's allowed a little game or two for a moment. Oh, I think he's turning into Frank Sinclair. He's yeah. scoring these comedy own goals now. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Frank. Liverpool are becoming Keegan's Newcastle, aren't they? What the? Uh, well, they're still winning though. That's as long the as you score one more than the other. Yeah, and for Colo Torre, read Darren Peacock. <laughs> oh, I'm not having that. <laughs> QPR legend Darren Peacock. I think what I like about Colo though is that. He, he looks at the ground as if he, there's some sort of conspiracy against him, like he's been tricked into doing these things. It, the look on his face is just is, is comedy value. He looks a bit like Stringer Bell as well, I think, as well. So he, he, um, he gets bonus points for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that last night kind of encapsulated it all for Liverpool. I think they, they're fantastic going forwards. No Suarez scoring again, but they still scored three goals. I still, I mean, I'm still convinced that United will overtake them and Liverpool won't finish in the top four. But no. that's probably just my pessimism. What What's going to separate Liverpool from the the rest of the fourth place challengers and put them on on or seems to be putting them on an equal footing now with City and Chelsea almost is the attacking option. Where okay, if Suarez isn't scoring, you've got Sturridge, Sterling's been chipping in, Coutinho got one last night and will chip in. Gerrard's got his free kicks and penalties and so on. City have got a million options. Chelsea are scoring almost from everywhere except centre-forward. But if you take, for example, you take Adebayor out of Tottenham right now, who's scoring their goals? Everton's goals are drying up. United haven't, you know, Van Persie and Rooney have only just come back, but still have aren't banging them in left, right and centre. So that's going to separate Liverpool from the rest and is what's putting them, at the moment... Not in, uh, you know, going for fourth, but you know, prop, you know, they're properly in the title race now. Oh, Liverpool are still going to play Spurs, Man City, and Chelsea all at home. Mm-hmm. So you would, I mean, I would hope for at least seven points from that. And Liverpool's big problem down the years has not been playing the Man Uniteds and the Arsenal's and Chelsea's at Anfield. Yeah. It's been going away to Leicester and going away to Middlesbrough and going away to Fulham. Usually, after a game, when they've beaten Man United at home and then they've ended up losing. And that's what's always been their handicap in the past. And last night, was a, I was actually the, the guy I was going to go to the Everton game with last night is a, is a Red. He's a, he's a Liverpool fan. Uh, and he thought they were going to lose last night because that's what Liverpool do or used to do. 
Yeah. But they found a way to win. I'm you, they were the better team from what I saw in the highlights. It was, you know, just because it was a 90th minute penalty doesn't mean it was a spawny win. They won because they were the better team. I think the difference I've seen in Liverpool, certainly over the last couple of matches, is they're hungry for it. You can tell that they want this, especially last night when I was watching um, the highlights of it. Um, When Coutinho scored um, and Suarez picked up the ball from the back of the net and he was like shoving the players back to the centre circle as if, come on, we can win this. And I've not seen that in Liverpool for a very long time. So. Is this the, sorry, no, it's all right. I just think that they're going to be up there this time. I think their lack of consistency might actually, um, they they might have overcome that a little bit. What are your thoughts this season on Suarez? Not so much as the player, because we all know the player he is, but Suarez is the character um, for Liverpool. The, the, the Suarez, is, you just mentioned about the fact that he scored and the first thing he did was pick the ball out the back of the net and... Um, and um, Barge plays out the way to get back to carry on with the game. Is this a different kind of person, Luis Suarez, we're seeing as opposed we've seen in previous seasons? Yeah, I think it is. I don't. I can't remember the last time he died this season. <laughs> now that's Chico Flores this season. He is, yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but no, do, do you think he's? Um, do you think he's sort of grasping the sort of? He realizes what what he is to Liverpool Football Club and how big a player he is and he's, he's grasped that responsibility and sort of taken it a step further. Yeah, I think after his sort of is he going, is he not going, I'm putting in a transfer request, I'm not going, I hate this club, he, all this to in and fro in. I think when they said, no, you're not going and basically just get your head down, he actually seemed to have taken that into account and I don't know whether he's doing it as well because um, because the World Cup's coming up as well. I mean, he would always walk into the Uruguay squad anyway, but they've got a better, bigger squad that they feel like they can do a bit more with as well. So I think he's feeling a sense of purpose at the moment. Do you think he sees some of the players around him? He sees Sturridge and he sees Coutinho and he sees um, the fact that Liverpool are uh, investing in attack-minded, very talented players. He sort of thinks that maybe Liverpool are the real deal and um, he's going to sort of pull his weight as well. I think he's the catalyst for it. I don't think it's that he's got to pull his weight I think he actually inspires those players around him you only have to look at Sturridge who just seems to relish playing um, playing off Suarez mm. okay uh, so that is the Premier League um, this week we also have championship games we have our I suppose you're now our resident championship expert Laura <laughs> I wouldn't say that well you could be our resident league one expert next season <gasps> hey we're doing all right at the moment Third in the form table, I'll have you now. Apart from the 3-0 loss. Well, we would do it. Yeah? Yeah, I think Wigan were, um, were more clinical than we were, put it that way. So did you? was it a 3-0 game or you know, do you, do you, were you kind of um, off somewhat? I wasn't there, unfortunately. Now that I live in that there, London, um, it's difficult to get to night matches. So, um, but from family members, they were saying the 3-0 was probably a bit harsh on us because um, we had plenty of shots on goal. We just didn't bury any of them. And I think that's going to be our big problem in the... Um, towards the end of the season is that we don't really have much attacking options now that Conor Wickham's gone back to um, Sunderland. And you had Matt Fry as well, didn't you? We did have Matty Fry, yeah. He was yeah. Uh, him and um, 
and Wickham were playing quite nicely together. But now yeah. Frey, it's languishing on Hull's bench now that they've got Jelovic and Long. Um, but we don't have the money, it seems, to loan them back. Right. So what are you happy with this season? Are you happy with just not getting <laughs> relegated? Survival, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that's pretty much every season for Sheffield Wednesday. It seems to have been, doesn't it, since you got relegated? Yeah. we. Kind of family. Um, oh, well, I think certainly since um, financial fair eggs have come in this season is that we, we've got to be good and we've got to stick within that £8 million um, deficit. I mean, you only have to look at Bolton, who were something ridiculous, like £75 million in debt. And I think... Man- double it, isn't it? They're 160 or don't they? 160 is it? Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting to see what they do with the uh, transfer embargoes over the summer. Whether they actually enforce that. Yes. Um, yeah. But Mandrich, for all his faults, is actually trying to run us as a business. And unfortunately, when you're losing five million pound a year, you've and the you can only have eight million pound a year under FFP, then uh, you've got to be careful with the money. But we can't afford to get relegated, otherwise we'll lose money as well. So it's a very sort of tight balancing act at the moment. It's a tightrope. Mm. Um, okay, so other games this season, uh, this this week. Um, Brighton 1, Leeds 0, Huddersfield 0, Forest 3. Bolton 0, Burnley 1, Yeovil 1, Millwall 1. Um, Watford 1, Birmingham 0. And tragically, Derby 1, QPR 0. Thanks to Rob Green and his amazing... Goalkeeping talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on the other end of the table then? Uh, Leicester, Burnley, QPR, Derby now catching up their fourth, aren't they? Just behind yeah, QPR. There's, there's kind of five teams really challenging for automatics. There's Leicester, Burnley, QPR, Derby, Forest. Um, Leicester, are Leicester out of sight? Leicester are romping away with it, yeah. I mean, they're on yeah. 67 points, something like that. I think they're a good. Ten points ahead of Burnley. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in a previous life, I um, I used to live in Leicester, and I used to go watch them quite a lot. And um, there was always, always, always. I mean, Leicester could be in the position they're in now, so far ahead of um, uh, of the first playoff place, sort of nine points ahead of in the in the automatic place. And there would always be a feeling around the ground of we're still not going to do it. We're still going to go down, or it was you know we're still not going to get promoted automatically. Been there so many times, and the playoffs have been a, a graveyard for City so often. That, mm. um, I think until it's all confirmed, I don't think they'll think they're there. I can understand that. Having a bit of pessimism about things it just makes it a <laughs> bit more realistic, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think the good thing for Leicester is that they've actually stuck with Nigel Pearson. I know it looked a bit dodgy last season where they had a bit of a wobble, mm. um, but he seems to have proved them wrong by just sort of getting on quite quietly with what he's what he's doing. Um he's built a good solid squad and they just they're just romping away with it at the moment. Yeah, they seem to be, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um it's the best squad I can I can remember for quite some time, maybe since they were a sort of an established Premier League club before. They've they've been meltdowns in the past though, hasn't there? By by teams top of the league with yeah, but they the didn't third know. of the season to go. Um, Millwall top at Christmas got relegated, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to go some, I think, to drop out of the automatics. Yeah. I think their biggest 
challenge, really, uh, because Forrest did quite a good... Um, uh, bought some really good players in the January window. I think they're the ones to watch for me. Forest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're currently fifth on 54 points, which is five behind Burnley in second. Mm. But it is very, very tight, isn't it? You've it's got... very tight, extremely tight. Yeah, you've got Forest on 54 in fifth, then you've got on 55, you've got Derby in fourth, then QPR in 56, and then there's three points up to Burnley and then Leicester. But, of course, QPR are playing Reading this weekend in sixth. So um, if Reading beat QPR, then they could be getting back amongst it as well. Well, um, I think it's said today that QPR are looking to sign Ravel Morrison from um, from West Ham. That would be good, as long as he's not too disruptive. Mm. He's trouble, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with QPR is I think that their midfield they played against Derby, um, it didn't seem to have a huge amount of flair in it. And I don't really rate Kevin Doyle, unfortunately. I think we're going to miss Charlie Austin. I don't think Kevin Doyle is an adequate replacement. No, not at all. I think Kevin Doyle's kind of past his best. Yeah. Personally, I think a cheeky bid for Jordan Rose would have been a good thing. (laughs) Have you got 10 million quid? No. (laughs) Maybe not. um, I mean, the finances at QPR are incredibly precarious because there's so many players out on loan from last season as well. Mm. You can kind of assume they're not going to be there at the end of this season, but um, they'll be sold in the summer. Sorry? I thought that's the way that Harry liked it. Mm, yeah. He likes Cup- to sign his plays for 12 million quid. <laughs> a QPR, uh, another one of these cases where the, um, you know, the, uh, an administration case in waiting if they don't go up. Well, um, Tony Fernandez says not, but for Tony Fernandez, I kind of think he's getting a bit like, do you remember Comical Alley during the Iraq war? Yeah. When he said the Americans would never ever take Baghdad and they were, they were sort of running behind him. Mm. <laughs> I, I kind of get the feeling it might be a little bit like that. And they've got these ambitious plans for a new stadium with, uh, inside, you know, within a new housing and shopping complex yeah. development thing, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I did actually have the pleasure of interviewing him once um, for a couple of years ago for a, a different website, um, tattooedfootball.com, if I'm allowed to get that one in. Uh, and he did say that financial fair play was incredibly realistic to achieve. Um, the academy was being built on schedule um, and the business plan could cope for relegation and they could still go ahead and build all these things. So, But he's never going to say um, financial fair play, we've got no no chance in hell. Uh, the academy's basically a tea lady in a porter cabin and, you know, we've got no chance of a new stadium so you better, you know, you better be happy with the wooden seats you've got at Loftus Road. He's not, or whatever. Yeah. He's never going to tell you the truth, is he? No, he's not. And then the other thing that kind of worries me is every now and then, when QPR do do badly, uh, he'll tweet about the time it took for him to get Caterham working right in F1. And then you look at Caterham's record in F1 and you think, mm, this isn't good. Yeah. Um, I do like Fernandes. He's obviously very passionate about the club and he's passionate about the sport. But pff, is that what you want? Would you rather have Mandarich or Fernandes? <laughs> it's like the devil in yeah. the deep blue sea. <laughs> yeah, well, or Ken Bates, or Ken Bates. Well, I mean, the, I think a big problem with QPR is they've got Chelsea just down the road. So the catchment area in which they're trying to pull fans from does have an incredibly big team, uh, or like to think they're an incredibly big team just down the road, which is very hard for them to com- compete with. 
Yeah. Well, they were going to become some sort of boutique club, I remember, where they were going to have like bistros and things like that. But that never seemed to came, uh, come to fruition, did it? No. A bistro? What the hell's a bistro? bistro? You don't have bistros in Liverpool? <laughs> Got bisto. Got <laughs> <laughs> the same? Well, maybe it's not. Sort of similar. Right, we're moving on from Championship then. Um,. One thing that did sort of attract me this week was a little bit about England. Uh, Roy Hodgson has said that there's no way back for John Terry. Uh, he said the door is always open for Ashley Cole. I wonder if anybody got any quick thoughts on that one before we move on to FA Cup predictions. You're a, an Everton fan, Mark, so presumably you're going to fly the Jagielka flag. Well, Jagielka, uh, he's a good player in the Premier League. He's, a, he's one of the top centre-halves and he's rightly in the England squad. But I'm not convinced that the Jagielka-Cahill partnership is that that great for England. Um, they're both very one-paced. They're both very similar players. Um, and when you've got a centre-half partnership, a little bit like a centre-forward partnership, you need one who is more of the marker and the, you know, the one that attacks the ball, goes for the ball, heads the ball. And you always need one that's going to be more of the sweeper type if you're going to play two uh, centre-halves. And they're two very similar. So I'm not going to do Jagielka down. But the partnership with Cahill, to me, I, I'm not convinced by them. Um, and you were talking about Ashley Cole there. Oh, yeah. um, I, I can't see how they can write, he can rightly expect to be England's first choice left back. And I'm only saying, I'm not even saying this being a biased, you know, being biased about Leighton Baines being the first choice. Leighton Baines has been superb for three, four years, playing every single week. This season, Ashley Cole can't even get ahead of a right back. In the position where he's been touted as the best left back in the world for however many years, so I can't see how he can possibly be chosen ahead of Baines for the World Cup. You know, we need something different as well. Ashley Cole's a great defender, but whenever he gets near the opposition box, you can see him panic and start looking around for Robert Pires to give him the ball, like he used to when he played for Arsenal. At least Leighton Baines has got something different, and we're not going to win the World Cup by defending solidly. Well, we're not going to win the World Cup full stop. But God, you've spoiled it for me now. Yeah, you might as well just go on holiday, Laura. There's no <laughs> point watching it. Um, well, Leighton Baines will get you goals, Ashley Cole, won't he? Yeah, and you know, goals win matches. I know it's it's a bit glib to say that, but it's true. Um, and I think that's as... unfair on Ashley Cole. I think he's been a good servant for England. Oh, oh, he's been brilliant. I, I don't disagree, but he, I can't. Ex- he can't expect to be first choice now. No, absolutely not. He's I was going to say he's old now, but he's younger than me. So, yeah, um, yeah there are younger, better players out there and uh, they need to be given a chance. And I think, to be fair to Hodgson, he is, he's not the one for sticking with the experienced senior players. He's more willing to sort of create a team that he thinks will play against certain teams. And that's what you need going into a World Cup. You think Glenn Johnson at left back? He's done it for Liverpool. No, <laughs> I, th- I think I think he, he, no. He's first choice right back, isn't he? Yeah. Really, if he's fit, uh, he's been out a little while now. Um, but I, I, I don't rate Johnson. Never have done. But he, I would still probably take him ahead of Kyle Walker. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, he's a bit of a. I'd take my kids ahead of Kyle Walker. <laughs> and Although Johnson. The ball he played in the week. Did you see his um, his chip for the goal? No. No. Um. For for one of the goals, like uh, yesterday, he he played it forward, and it was just beautiful little dink forward. 
He must have missed it. <laughs> you ring. Yeah, I've never rated him. I never will do. No, he is. Well, he's he's a Sheffield United fan, and he's he's from one at Rough Estates in Sheffield, and I don't think there are one of. Just one of yes. Uh, I don't think there's many brain cells to rub together there. So. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have Jagielka and you'd have Cahill at the back as well. You can't see anybody else making a, a bid for centre half. My only thing with Jagielka is the fact that he was so exposed against Liverpool the other week. Luis Suarez would be rubbing his hands together for Uruguay. Well, exactly. Anybody with any pace, um, and this is the this is what I was saying. You, if I'm not saying Liverpool still wouldn't have like humped Everton the other week. But with the the reason the distan Jagielka partnership works so well is because Jagielka attacks the ball and Distan is the cover man. You know he's always because he's got the pace and you need that. And I don't think Cahill's got any pace. And you know there's not okay. Terry's had a decent season for Chelsea, but he's a divisive character and he hasn't got any physical attributes that you would want to pair up with with either of the two who are there at the minute to combat the likes of. Storage and any other nippy centre forwards we end up playing against. Yeah. What okay. about Luke Shaw then? I like him. He looks good. I don't know if he's. I mean, we're only going to take two left backs, aren't we? Would he get ahead of Cole just because of his experience? And would he get ahead of Baines based on Baines's experience, form? He's and not so going to get ahead of Baines. They're, they're, I think Baines is going to be first choice out now. It... But if Cole's not getting a game at all, and Shaw's been playing pretty much all season, and to a high standard as well. It's a bit short-sighted if we're if we're not taking him with us. So. Well, if you think about it, imagine we're we get out of the group and we're in the qualifying stage, we're in the second round qualifying stage, and you're Roy Hodgson. Who are you going to pick as your left back? Are you going to if Baines isn't there? Are you going to pick Luke Shaw, who's never really played top level? For a consistent period of time, or are you going to take Ashley Cole, who's played, he's got tournament experience and has played for Chelsea for the best part of ten years? Yeah, Hodgson's, however, however old he is, or the fact he can't get in the team, Hodgson's not that big a gambler, is he? So, he, no, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you, Laura. I think at some point you have to take players like Shaw or or Barkley or um, any other of the younger England players who are coming through. Mm. It might be good to take one or two of them because because Gerard Cole. Um, a couple of others, they're not going to play another tournament. Mm. We're not, you know, we're not going to take 23 players to the World Cup with the intention that we're going to need every single one in our quest to win it because we know we're not going to win it. <clears throat> so I think there may be one or two surprise choices like Shaw, for example. But uh, Hodgson's just, a, he's very conservative, we know that. He might take one player and it's likely to be someone like Barkley rather than someone like Shaw, I think. Moving on to some other news. Uh, first thing of all, Lazio plays a jo- Lazio player Joseph Manala uh, may have been rumbled. He claims to be a 17-year-old Cameroonian player. Uh, however, it might be um, it might be worth checking out a website called Sinigo.net where he claims he might be 41. So there's only a slight difference there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, the, we've all tried that at some point, haven't we? This is the George Weyer's cousin thing all over again, isn't it? Do you yes. remember that? Yeah, Ali Dyer. Yeah, he <laughs> pl- he played for my local non-league team. Did well. he? Yeah, Blythe Spartans, yeah. Was he good? He was George Weir's cousin, so no, he wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, this Manala fella, he, he's just following on like Yakubu and Kanu and all of these guys. And he. Terebo West, he was about 10 years older than what he claimed he was, wasn't he? Yeah, this this guy, we were saying it before, weren't we, before we, before we started the podcast, he looks like Robert Mugabe. And not, and, not a young, and not a young Robert Mugabe either. So he looks like Robert Mugabe, but not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> but not in the young way. Not in a, not. <laughs> okay. Uh, another point I was just going to make. Um, Richard Moller-Nielsen, uh, he was the coach of Denmark in 1992, has died this week. He was the uh, little background to the story, which I'm sure most listeners will know. Some may not. Um Yugoslavia qualified for the European Championships in 1992, uh, were thrown out because of the disintegrating political situation and war in their country. Next best qualified team, Denmark, um, whose players were already on the beach and sunning themselves, were recalled. Moller Nielsen got them together uh, and um, led them not only to victory in the semi-finals over Holland in a rather tasty penalty shootout, but also they beat Germany 2-0 in the final. So they came from the beach to European Championship or European champions in the space of three weeks. Does anyone remember that tournament? Yeah, I do. Yeah, remember it well. That was a good one. Um, Apart from us. Broline, yeah. darling, Broline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we weren't there, though, were we? Yeah, we were. Yeah, were we... we... Yeah. That, was, that was Barry Davies' commentary, Laura. Oh, yeah. That was when he pulled off Gary Lineker, wasn't he? Oh, um, oh, yeah, Taylor did. Sorry. Oh, yeah. did, we didn't see that, did we? Wow. I don't remember Graham Taylor ever. <laughs> You're thinking of those films again, aren't you? Yeah. Honestly, the potty mouth this week. <laughs> but yeah, I think Euro 92 along with France 98, I think, is my favourite national international championship, I think. Wow. I mean, Denmark won that tournament, but I, I don't know if either of you remember Mexico 86, but yeah. they, they were superb when they had Preben Elkier, Michael Laudrup, um... Morton Olsen, Jesper Olsen, all those guys. They were a hell of a team. Yeah, they were they were something. Else. You know, you're, um, that was the first tournament I can remember. But uh, but yeah, they were top players, weren't they? They were fantastic players. And the Yugoslavia team, actually, that got thrown out, if you think back to who they had in their team at the time, they would have been one of the favourites to win the whole thing. Well, they would have been. I mean, they had... Um, they had young players at the time, Mihailovic, they would have had, they would have had Bilic, they would have had Prozinecki, uh, they would have had Dragan Stojkovic as well. Yeah, Boban. That was all Boban. Savic- I mean, that, Savicevic. Yeah, that was the year after um, Red Star won the European Cup as well. Yeah, and the, and most of the, well, half of the team were the Red Star team. The others were already playing in, you know, you had Dragan Stojkovic and so on playing in Marseille and there was a couple playing in Madrid and Milan and all the rest of it. So, you know, the, they were probably taking over from, say, Holland and Germany as the best team in Europe at the time. Yeah, they were a heck of a team. And, yeah, like you say, you'd never know what they could have done if they were there. But I think, once in the sure, they would have been pretty high up, wouldn't they? Mm. Okay. Uh, right. FA Cup predictions time. Um, we have a mini league going on between myself, Mark, and uh, Emma, who's normally here. Um, after last week, or this week's Premier League matches, myself and Mark are on 22 correct predictions Emma, unfortunately, is on 16, so Laura, you're doing her predictions this week, so you need to um, help her along somewhat. I will try my very best. Doing it for the sisters and all that. <laughs> um, first one then, Sunderland, Southampton. That's um, 12.45 on Saturday, I think. Uh, Mark, what are you going to go for? Uh, I'm going to say that will be a draw. Okay, Laura? Uh, Southampton win. 
I think I'm going to go for a Southampton win as well. Cardiff Wigan. Anyone see? We, uh, what, would it be an upset if Wigan the holders won? I'm going to go for Wigan. Yeah, I, I think that's a very even game. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go for a draw for that. I think I think that'll be a replay. Okay, I'm going to go for a Cardiff win. Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton Laura. What do you reckon? I've got to go for a Wednesday win, aren't I? Have you? I have. Yeah, I think. Tuesday aside, I think our performances are certainly growing, and Charlton are just f- floundering at the moment. They're not, they're not anywhere. And I know the FA Cup's different, and anything can happen. But I just, I just think we've got the edge on them. Okay, I'll bow to your better judgment then and go for Wednesday. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go Wednesday. As Laura said earlier, they've had a decent little spell of form, and Charlton are struggling really badly, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, they are, aren't they? Um, Man City, Chelsea. 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 Yeah, I think City are going to do it. Do you? I do, yeah. Aguero less? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they don't get on, do they, uh, the managers? And it seems that this season Mourinho's got the hex over um, Pellegrini. I think I'm going to go Chelsea. No, I still think City are going to win. Everton, Swansea, Mark? Um, probably just Everton. Yeah, Laura? I'm going for Everton as well. Are you sure Gary Monk called Chico Flores a warrior this week? Are you sure it was a warrior? There's not a, there's not a miss. There's not a miss coming somewhere in there. <laughs> Come on, he's up there with Bobby Moore. and. Um, but a warrior is not one of them. No. He's a latter-day Fernando Hierro, isn't he? No. No. What are you going to go for then, Laura? Everton or Swansea? Uh, Everton. Everton. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw, I think. Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest. Oh, it's been Laura. postponed. Sorry? It's been postponed. Oh, has it? Yep. Already? All oh, right. Waterlogged pitch. God, it's grim up north, isn't it? Mm. Oh, it might not have been, actually. No, you're right. Okay. It, uh, there's, uh, yep, last night's was postponed because it was under about four foot of water, so... I don't think it's officially been called off yet, but I think it was heading that way. Or should we pretend it's still going then? Yeah, go on then. What do you reckon? Forest, forest, forest. Have you ever predicted Sheffield United to win? Yeah. Not very yeah. often. But I just think Forest is too strong for them. It, I watched United against Fulham. Yeah. And they were just... They were as bad as Fulham were. But Fulham didn't have the excuse. You're right. Uh, I just think Forest have got a stronger, stronger team. They have. They broke my heart when they signed Jamie Mackey in the summer. They broke your heart. They did. They did. I did. I do love Jamie Mackey. But he's gone. <laughs> he's like my, like my uh, latter day Kevin Gallon. He was my he's your QPR hero. My man crush. Yeah. No, my man crush is Rafa Nadal. Really? Yeah. Is it the hair? Oh, he's gorgeous. <laughs> Each to their own. <laughs> I think footballing-wise, Fernando Hierro would be my man crush. <laughs> you, you, you like the sort of Mediterranean look in your mouth. I do, yeah. yeah. Sort of sultry eyes, I think. Mm. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, come Who's on, your man crush, Mark? Listen, you two, pull yourselves together. <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to the football. You must have a man crush. Uh, oh, Seamus Coleman. And not because of his looks, just because... I was going to say, yeah, it can't be that. I love him, he's fantastic. Really? Yeah. Oh well, okay. Uh, and anyway, back to the football people. <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Sheffield United. 
I think Forrest Forrest might just do the you know the thing where they um they go half assed at it because they're gonna be thinking about the uh, about the league and they don't wanna get tangled up in the FA Cup come March and April. So Sheffield United have got nothing to lose. Um I'll go for them. Alright, no worries. Uh and I'll go for uh, I'll go for Forrest. Jamie will do it for me. Arsenal Liverpool, I think Arsenal will win this one. Um I'll I'm gonna say a draw. Laura? I yeah, it's a tough one this one. I think Liverpool might do it. I think they might just pip it. Yeah, Liverpool win. Okay, okay. And then last but no means least, we've got Brighton Hull. I think Brighton might do that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Brighton have got a good shot with that one. Yeah. Full house. Brighton. Yeah, Brighton, Brighton as well. well. Okie okay, dokie. Okay. Right. Well, that's our prediction is done. That brings us to the end of this week's Man on the Post. Um, I will ask you both of all, because you've both got projects going on at the moment, haven't you? Um, if we want to follow you on Twitter, Mark, how do we do that? Uh, the Twitter handle is at the football pink. And you got a new edition of the football pink out this week, haven't you? It's been out, uh, yeah, about a week already. Okay. So Kindle and hard copies at this time? It is, yeah. It is. So what can we look forward to in there? For those who like to get print on their uh, on their fingers. Um, what's inside? Well, Laura is uh, one of the one of the fantastic contributors with her story about uh, the theatre's links to um, cup football in its early days in the Victorian era. Uh, yeah. We've got an interview, exclusive interview with Guillaume Balaguet, and oh, right. there's a competition to win a free retro footy shirt from. Campo Sports and uh, a few other decent stories uh, none by me so that's why it's uh, a good publication okay okay uh, and then it's www.footballpink isn't it .net it's uh, footballpink.net yeah that's right footballpink.net um, and Laura if they want to follow you you've got a couple of accounts haven't you I have yeah um, the uh, my sort of personal one and the one for my personal blog is at Yaisto and it's Y-I-C-E-T-O-R and it stands for Yes, I Can Explain the Offside Rule. Okay. Thank you, Andy Gray. <laughs> uh, and you've got a little project at the moment, haven't you? Uh, Football's yeah. Fallen. What's that then? It's called Football's Fallen. Um, I've set up a new project. It's something that I started researching um, a, a couple of years ago, actually, when... Uh, Pia Mario Morosini died. Um, and the more it, I researched about players who had died whilst uh, whilst they were playing the game, um, I just kept coming across more and more names. And the, the this is this is on the pitch, is it when they died? Yeah, on uh, on the pitch or as a consequence of their performance. Um, um, I got to about 170 names without even trying, uh, and I'm still discovering new players. Uh, I checked with FIFA and the FAs and the National Football Museum and um, none of these organisations keep any record of, of these players who have died. Um, so this is kind of a tribute project um, that I've started to put together with uh, some really talented contributors um, to write about their story, how they died, their playing careers, what it was like in the eras that they lived in. Uh, and what their contribution to the game was, because uh, as a consequence of some of their um, 
some of their deaths, the rules of the games actually changed. Like Jimmy Thorpe, who was Sunderland's keeper in 1936, he got so badly kicked by the opposition strikers uh, that he fell into a diabetic coma. Uh, and the rules uh, that changed after his death are still applicable today. So that's uh, that's football's fallen. It's it's a new project, and have a look. Okay, so if they want to follow that on Twitter, what's the it's for that? Football's Fallen dot WordPress dot com, or if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Football's Fallen. Football's Fallen. Okay, so a very noble thing to follow. Uh, and if people want to get in touch, can they write articles for you if they want to? Uh, the camp of Football's Fallen. Yeah, absolutely. Always looking for new talented writers. Okay, so um, hope you get some response from that. So, well, that's it then for this week uh, so thank you ever as much as ever to Mark thanks everybody and thanks for coming on this week Laura you're coming again in a couple of weeks aren't you I am if you'll have me I think we could can we <laughs> two weeks time we'll have you back um, so thank you very much for that the Sunday show with uh, Ross and uh, Colin and everybody else will be out for probably download on Monday morning um, and remember if you like us then remember to give us a, a five star review on iTunes and always remember to keep your man on the post And then FA Cup predictions. You're going to have to do Emma's this week, Laura. Is that all right? You have to. Yeah, that's fine. She's lagging behind a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I can drag her down even <laughs> further then. Yeah. There's not really much further you can go with her. No. <gasps> <It's>... <gasps> um, so, oh. Her predictions are doing quite bad, aren't they? Yeah, poor thing. She's not doing great, is she? Oh, no, actually, it's not because they don't do gravy down here. <gasps> I know. In that they not... London. What do you what do you have to dip your bread in now? Oil, be oil on it. <laughs> yeah, it's balsamic vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> do you get brown sauce? I've not looked. No, Probably. Okay. denying yourself. <laughs> I'm more of a ketchup girl. Are you? Yeah. I thought it was a, all highly northerners were brown sauce people, weren't they? Where I, live, where I live, it's everything. You know, you get gravy, brown sauce, red sauce, mushy peas, dog's dinner. All on the same bread cake. All on the bread cake. Bread cake. <laughs> all, all on the it's same a, balm. It's a cob, not a bread cake. We'll dip our food in clotted cream down here anyway. That's because you're weird. <laughs> all six of our fingers. <laughs> exactly. They love it. <laughs> Victorian area. Uh, area? <laughs> I can't speak the Victorian. No worries, you enjoy it, Laura? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Was it alright for you? Oh, it was good for me. <laughs> I'm going to light up a cigarette now. <laughs> <laughs>